morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the Mental Health Comedy Podcast. I forgot the name of the show, and it's early. My name is Ed Krasnick, my co-host, Jennifer Kalari, coming along shortly. Uh, she's on Benadryl. We're going to tell you more about that as we go. But on today's show, we have a great guest. We have a guest who is a, an, an award-winning comedian, actor, writer, and mystic. I've never said the word on the show. It's one of my favorite words. I am Mr. Optimistical. We have Sarah Taylor with us, and I'm excited. Sarah joining us also shortly. Everything's coming up. Nothing's happening now. But this is the show where we not only talk about mental health, but we we talk and show and deal with the the exercises, the tools, the choices that we can make to gain mental health, to actually help our mental health, because mental health is a practice. Spiritual health, it's all a practice, but not a practice like work, but like a practice like something you can actually play with, something you can actually be silly with, something you can actually have fun with. You ever do improvisation? Fun. You ever do role reversal? Ever try to sound like your parents? Fun. Better to sound like them than to be them and take them on by not speaking up. How about that? Uh, and all parents out there, I'm talking, listen, I'm a parent, so what can I say? I'm, I'm learning every day, and I'm humbled uh, every day. And I've never humble bragged in my life, so maybe we'll talk about that on the show. Today's show is brought to you by a dopamine-infused toothpaste called DopaClean. Make your mouth fresh and happy with DopaClean. If you're not transmitting pleasure to your mouth and with your mouth, dopamine will have your teeth on the uptake. Turn your frown upside down by drawing your teeth and brushing your teeth in bliss with DopaClean. We always like to welcome people no matter what emotional state they're in, so here are emotional shout-outs. If your tarot card reader pulls a new card called the King of Crap, welcome. If you're so mentally drained that you're wearing a colander on your head, welcome. If you're binge-watching the Assassination Channel, welcome. <coughs> If you want to get a job as a professional drug namer, welcome. And if you're writing messages on your COVID mask, like don't even start with me today, welcome. And if you're beating yourself up even now, there's always a place for you right here on the Mental Health Comedy Podcast. Now, it's my pleasure to bring to the stage a lady who has been bit by no less than two scorpions. <laughs> Within a week, I think, and who is in Costa Rica having a nice uh, family vacation and is jacked up on Benadryl. The first lady of serotonin, the Duchess of Dopamine, and the ninja of the neocortex, Jennifer Kalari. Jennifer, how is everything going? And since I've opened the show, have you been bitten by a scorpion? <laughs> no, thankfully not. It's okay. so ridiculous. I don't even know what to say. Yes. Thankfully, they're not poisonous. Like, they're not deadly here in Costa Rica. They just hurt. They just hurt. Have you ever had a mystical experience in your life? I'm sure you've had many of them. But when it comes to, like, spirituality, and I'm not trying to be woo-woo here. I'm trying to be wah-wah. No, but not woo-woo. Not but have you had experiences where you maybe have, have gotten a different perspective on, on the world? You know what? I, I have. Many, many years ago, probably my kids were little, so it had to be like tw over 25 years ago. I was 
meditating and I hadn't meditated very often. And I got into this incredible blissful state. I've never experienced anything like it. Everything was one. It was incredible. And then I got terrified and thought I wouldn't be able to get out of it or come back. Why I would want that, I don't know. And I haven't been able to do it since. Very interesting. So you got a little scared by it. I did. It was so different. It was so unusual. I mean, I can get relaxed. I can I can get to a nice place, but I've never been able to get back to that state. It was incredible. Do you remember the circumstances of how that occurred? It's just a normal meditation. And then I just felt this incredible, all-encompassing, beautiful, cosmic kind of bliss where everything just felt like one. It was so amazing that like an idiot, I got scared and came back and I haven't been able huh. to do it again. Huh. So that's my goal. My goal is to get back there. I think we're going to try. We're going to try. We're going to do it today because you're on Benadryl. You're already jacked up um, and we, we can we can do it. And, and, and our guest is a meditation teacher and an, yeah. and an energy here. We might figure some things out today. You know, I've had experiences, but I guess one of the things I wanted to ask you, spirituality, I mean, you work with kids, you work with families. Does spirituality play a part in this? And do you, is that, is that a prescription for somebody? Well, it's a good question. I, listen, I, I sort of think of myself as a, like a translator. So if I have a family or even a young person or a kid that I'm working with and they have a strong spiritual practice, then a lot of what I teach, especially in terms of connection and oneness and empathy and compassion and all of that, um, it, it lends itself very well to those beliefs. And if there's people who, who aren't like that, that's not how they understand information, then I go straight science with them and really help them understand what's oxytocin, what are natural opiates, what are endorphins, what's dopamine. And then eventually I find that they can kind of move along in their practice, but it sort of depends where where people are. And certainly what I teach, which is to center yourself in kindness and understanding and, and loving neutrality that's something that all human beings can understand. And it just kind of depends what language they're the most comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Okay. It must be, it must be great to be able to, to do that and to actually see them shift. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. It really is. That's the big thing when you see yeah. somebody shift. I mean, as a comedian and, and Sarah, our guest will talk about this too. You can read an audience and you can see when they trust you. And when they yeah. relax and they actually physically move back, mm-hmm. they actually yes. settle into their seats, their shoulders go back yep. because a lot of times what happens is people, the audience is scared for you. They're actually worried. They're worried about you and they're scared for you. <laughs> and, and so they want to be in good hands. They want to feel good. They want to feel comforted. You know, they want to know it's okay to, to just settle in, but you yeah. can see them. You can see them shift. Sure. I had, I've done a lot of therapy with my family, uh, the one I grew up with years ago. They do these things, you know, if you look at the posture of people. I mean, I always had the posture of a question mark. <laughs> I don't know what question I was asking. That's the problem. But posture, you know, the way you hold yourself. It's amazing how these spiritual moments can kind of change. Usually you, t- you take up more space in the world and you get relaxed in a, in a different way. Not that I want this to be like, this is not the drug show. But if you're on drugs right now, have a party. Join us and have a party. Relax. This is your this is your show. Some people we had a show on breathing and and sometimes you can get to a really different kind of state through the kind of breathing that you do. Well, even just changing your changing the way you're standing or sitting 
or smiling, yeah. even when you don't feel good, can change the biochemistry in your body and start a chain reaction. I was <laughs> doing a show, it was a TV show, and one of the guys was a wrestler. And he actually taught me how to come into a ring so that it looked like I was powerful. And he had me put my hands on my hips and look up. Yeah. And he said, if you want to be a character, look up, and put your hands on your hips. Don't look straight at anybody. Look up and enter the ring. There he goes. He said, that's a character. And you know what? Honest to God, I felt different. Yeah. That's the superpower, superhero power pose. Yeah. Right? Little kids. I teach my little kids that I work with to do that. It's really powerful, actually. You can pose yourself differently. As you're listening to the show today, I want you to try the, the superhero power pose. Put your hands on your hips, put your head straight up, and stand tall, and push out your chest a little bit, breathe a little bit into your belly, and just have the superhero power pose for just a minute or 30 seconds, and just feel, just shift your posture in any way you can, and listen to the tone of my voice. No. Do that because it's amazing how different you could feel. And conversely, you could go the other way. You could be sitting hunched at your desk like I am, and you could go the other way. Try that and see what the difference is. You're essentially doing a cat pose uh, during the show. That's what I want you to do, you yoga people. Do the cat pose during the show. I want to bring our guest out. Not that anybody's in a room, but I want to bring her out. She is a, a terrific actress and writer. Uh, stand up. And what really interests me too is she's a meditation teacher, an energy healer, and a mystic. And I love how all of that goes together. Awesome. And and I welcome Sarah Taylor to the show. Sarah. Hello. So happy you're here. Hi, Sarah. I'm so glad to be here. It's a pleasure. How do comedy and meditation go? Do they help each other? Hell no, they are worlds apart. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're awful together. They don't they're go together at all. Together. Yeah. Well, you know, I started teaching meditation to comedians like maybe 12 or 13, 14 years ago. I had this group in LA called Comedy Karma. And we'd get together and we'd meditate and then write jokes. You know, I just find that being able to be meditative makes us ready for anything. So we're present we're spontaneous, we're open, we're not rigidly in some sort of mind state um, that we think we need to be in. We're, we're, we're open, we're open to the present moment, we're meeting life fully because we've been meditating. So that uh, supports creativity and spontaneity and, and laughter. So the idea that in order to create really great sharp comedy, it has to come from conflict and depression and despair and, and, and things not going well. That is a fallacy. Well, I wouldn't, I, you know, this is nuanced, young man. I don't need to tell you that. You know, I, I think we take our pain and we can uh, put it into beautiful comedy. I mean, sometimes when people have been completely worked up and like the opposite of a meditative state and they're on a rant, they're freaking hilarious, you know? But I mean, you know, a lot of, and Jennifer, you probably know this, a lot of studies show that that creativity, the creative state is is mm -hmm. one in which we're present, we're mm -hmm. relaxed, um, yeah. our mind is at ease, we're focused. That's where intuition comes from, right? Sometimes yeah. our, an inspiration comes from there. For sure. You know, I think it's a dance. It's it's a dance worth worth learning, sort of this dance between peace and getting worked up. I don't know. 
I don't know. I'm, I'll be learning it for the rest of my life as long as I do comedy, how it all comes together. So, you know, we try, we try to do, you know, mental health, mental fitness and unite it with comedy. And, and I feel like the two are like really perfect partners, but sure. there's something to be said for silly. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I just love that voice. There's something to be said for silly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. There's something to be that. something to be said for silly, and silly is a great way for people to learn how to play, you know, with their emotions, with their thoughts, with how they treat themselves, yeah, uh, and other people. A role play, of course, improv is great. Yeah, this is all playful, and the idea that people can play with it with these things, uh, for never mind practice them, but just play with them and have a sense of of silliness about it. Like I had a teacher once who said that, you know, you can karaoke your negative thoughts. <laughs> and she taught that. That's actually Rini Jane. That's our friend uh, with, from gozen.com. Yes. Amazing, the amazing Rini Jane. Karaoke your negative thoughts. I thought it was great. Love it. So tell me, silly and philosoph philosophical together. Again, I'm really interested in how these things go together in your life. Well, I mean, it's interesting that you brought up being silly because what, what do we need in order to be silly? We we uh, we become less self conscious, right? Yes, and we're just willing to be silly. So, you know, my background is Buddhism, and I study Theravada and Vajrayana Buddhism, and I'm not real rigid about what path I'm on. I'm sort of an, a, a nothingist and an everythingist. With these non duality paths like Buddhism and Vedanta, Hinduism. It's about, uh, it's about moving beyond the self, you know, and what Jennifer described as a moment of oneness that you had, right? Mm -hmm. Where if one were to analyze it, you probably um, moved beyond the self, beyond mm -hmm. the self you perceive yourself as. Yeah? Yes, definitely. Yeah. So when we're silly and we really let go, we're, we're moving beyond our self-perception. So the idea of separation, that separation is an, is an illusion, that any time that you, you're trying to separate yourself or you believe that you're separate or other people are different or you're not connected, it really is not a truth. It's not the truth because the truth is that we're, that we're all one. And not to say that mm -hmm. like woo-woo, but when it comes to the, the energy of the world, we're, we are all one. Mm -hmm. Yep. Good night, everybody. See you at the premiere. <laughs> It's all of it, right? Uh, it's, the, it's the great totality, as I like to call it, which includes duality, which includes differences. Mm -hmm. So, you know, even, even beyond what we might perceive as oneness is, is sort of this totality that includes duality, too. So, mm -hmm. I mean, we're really getting into it, right? In we the first are. five minutes, aren't we? <laughs> you know, everybody has something great to teach. But I've been in some workshops in my time where... It's, it's really comical what somebody is trying to teach because they have some ego attached to it. Ugh. And that is always, to me, it's funny later. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you tell when, when somebody is really, you know, when they're talking, but they're really not there? Uh, you mean they're not there as far as like they're like kind of egotistical and in their puffed yeah. up sense of self? I mean, yeah. Sure. I mean, look, we work in entertainment, so um, we we run into all sorts of people who are like, "Hey, what's going on?" Yeah, yeah, just just came back from a shoot. I, uh, you know, like something happens with their voice, their energy, their eyes are cast downward. They sort of look around. They don't really look you in the eye, um, but it's an energy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can kind of feel it. But 
you know, it's subtle too. I mean, as, as far as, you know, I go, you know, it's, 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 it's subtle, you know? You know, when you work with people, cause you're, you're an energy healer too. Yeah. Yeah. How do you work with people? And have you ever had somebody that you've worked with and said, I can't help this person. Just <laughs> let me lay down now. Just get out of my studio. Get out. I can't, I cannot help you lady. Get out. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, I am not a licensed psychotherapist. I'm a support for people on the spiritual path. I'm a support for people to move deeper into alignment with their soul, really, and and their soul calling and all that good stuff. So yeah, if I find that I'm not a support for somebody, um, I can't tell you how many times I refer people out to therapists and to trauma specialists. I have a list of people that I refer people to um, because I will not work with people who aren't in therapy or um, aren't familiar with their trauma if somebody is coming to me pretty traumatized, I, I won't work with them at all. Uh, because that's that's not a good use of my time. If somebody um, is already on the spiritual path and has an, a deep interest in spirituality, uh, you know, they don't necessarily have to have a meditation practice or a regular spiritual practice, but if they're open um, and they've had some therapy and they kind of understand what their stuff is to a certain degree, then, then we have then we have a basis to go on, you know. So yeah, sure, I refer people out all all, all the time. Do you ever refer people out to like an accountant? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, you are so wealthy. You need somebody to manage <laughs> your wealth. His name is Ed Krasnick, and I highly recommend it's, him. It's He'll just wealth. hold on to it for you. Yeah, it's the wealth. I'm going to help you. I'm going to relieve you of that burden. Yes, exactly. You, no. Now, you say mind wrangling. I've watched your oh, TED Talk. Oh, that's my TEDx talk, yeah. And I, it was very good. I liked it oh, a lot. Thanks. But I like this mind wrangling. And like I, I was saying, if I think <laughs> about mind wrangling, I start, start thinking about being a cowboy. And I live on the lazy mind ranch. Mm-hmm. What is mind wrangling and how, how do people do it? And how do you do it in everyday life? Oh, boy. Well, you know, it's so funny because I haven't thought of that phrase. I think I gave that talk in 2014. Long time ago. So much has happened for me since and so much has shifted with how I teach that I probably wouldn't even use that now. I think at a certain point, especially when you're in the beginning of a meditation practice, you're working with your mind. And that's really all that that means is we don't want to fight the mind, the mind's tendency to wander you know, the mind's tendency to fantasize and to, to think up scenarios that haven't happened yet and probably never will. Um, that wonderful Mark Twain quote, what is that? Like, I, I'm worried about a lot of stuff that didn't happen. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we want to work with, w- with the mind. The mind has a tendency to move. So, okay. You know, I run into so many people who say, oh, I can't meditate because when I sit down to do it, you know, my mind goes all over the place. I'm like, well, congratulations. You have a mind. You know, like that's what the mind does. It moves, it seeks, um, it's looking for problems to fix. So when we give the mind something to chew on, like a dog with a bone, and we give it an object of attention, like a mantra or an area of our body, let's say, like, you know, imagine a ball of light at your chest, um, or, you know, bring your attention to your breath. And as it moves your belly in and out, or count your breath, you know, you give the mind an object so, um, so that it has something to come back to. It's like an anchor. And then every time, every time a thought 
floats in. It's like, ah, thought, thinking. Oh, back to the object of attention. And you bring yourself back over and over and over again. So one might call it mind wrangling or, or herding cats, you know. Mm. It can feel like that, you know. It really is like that. And yeah. And but you can bring yourself back in any moment, right? Yeah, you know, and it's just a moment, moment by moment thing. I mean, people think that if they sit down and they're not experiencing peace and bliss right away, that they're doing something wrong. You know, most of a meditation practice, as you both know, being med- meditators, I think you meditate, right, Ed? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is, mm-hmm. is just, you know, noticing when your attention has wandered and bringing it back to what you want to place your attention on. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what you don't want to do, which I've done a lot, is have like a triple latte and then sit down to meditate. <laughs> I have done that so many times and it's like such a joke. Um, it doesn't go well. It does not go well. And it's like, you, you don't want to do that. That is funny. Almost in any moment though, right? Like people think just like mental health and what would, what Jennifer and I talk about mental fitness and, and, and these exercises or these tools you can use, or these skills that you can use in any moment. People think that like to meditate, you have to sit in an ashram. You have to shut everything else out. You cannot, it cannot be done in a minute. It cannot be done in the stream of your day. It is a separate thing. <laughs> right. And, and it has yeah. to be very holy and it has to be very specialized. Totally. How do you, how do you work with people on that? Um, you know, I, I teach meditation at companies. And so, um, and, I, and I also teach, you know, artists, creatives, um, you know, who maybe don't have a lot of experience with meditation. People at companies sometimes are just like, what is this? Um, and then I also work with people who um, have deep, deep, deep spiritual practices, who've had some of the experiences you've had, Jennifer, which we can talk about if you want to sure. go into that direction. So I work with people of all different levels. Um, I just try to work with people where they're at. If somebody wanted to start a meditation practice, I always say, go, go, go watch my TEDx talk. Um, so there's that. Just, you know, give yourself five minutes. Set a timer for five minutes. Don't make it hard on yourself. Count your breath to 20 and back down again. And then just rest with your breath the rest of the time. And, you know, great. Your thinking pops up. Great. Uh, desire. You want to get up. You want to scratch your butt. You need to do this. You need. Great. Let it pass. Let it pass. Just keep bringing yourself back to the breath and see what happens and see how uncomfortable that gets and see how annoyed you get and how frustrated you get. And that's part of the meditation too, to let that pass as well, to let that just be as it is and keep bringing yourself back to the breath. So that's one way to begin a meditation practice for those who might want to, you know, go down that route. I'd love to take a minute and do it right here. All right. Let's, let's take it because you have such an amazing voice. I do. I'm, I'm so relaxed just listening wow, to you. Thanks. It's clear as a bell. Aww. So take us through and really just a really just a minute, a minute or a minute. Okay, and we'll a half. just do like a minute or so. So go ahead and close your eyes. And take a deep breath in and just hold it for a couple of seconds. And then slowly let it out through your nose or your mouth. Just let it out. And imagine just sending it down into the earth. Taking another breath when you're ready and holding it for a moment. And sending it down through your legs, down through the chair you're seated on, into the earth. 
And just bringing your attention to your belly. Letting your belly get nice and relaxed and big. Don't try to suck it in. This is not a time for that. And just notice the breath moving the belly. It might be very imperceptible. And just count to five exhales. That's it. Resting your attention at the breath at your belly. Taking your time. And as you open your eyes, still staying connected to that breath at your belly and aware of the breath moving your body, maybe ever so slightly. Looking around the room, you're still connected to your body, to your breath. And congratulations, you just meditated. That was lovely. <laughs> Fabulous. Fabulous. Sure. It's amazing how how quickly you can get into a state where you can just you can just start to relax a little bit. And mm-hmm. even a, even 10 seconds of it like changes yeah. the, the focus and the chemistry. It changes everything. Why not, right? I mean, yeah. you know, and it, to, to what you were saying earlier, it's like, you know, we're not just meditating on the cushion. We're not just meditating in our bed every morning or wherever we do it. it it's life becomes a meditation of, of being aware and being present and uh, being with your body and, and noticing the thoughts that arise, noticing the feelings and sensations in your body, you know, really slowing down and meeting the moment, you know, even when you're, you know, walking out to the car or running to catch the bus or whatever you're doing. When you and you talk about curiosity a little bit, and then Jennifer talks about this a lot too. And I want to go back to okay, what we just did. Can you employ that? Can you use that when you have what I would call an amygdala hijack? <sighs> Jennifer, talk a little bit about the amygdala and how how it works, and mm. and and is there a tie into meditation and how to calm it down? Sure, sure. So I mean, the amygdala is. And it really is a hijack. It's it, listen. It's a part of a brain of your brain that wants to keep you safe. It loves you. It's self-preservatory. It wants to protect you from danger, and it takes its job very seriously. And the more, it, it, and it, it's sort of it's definitely related to anxiety, which gets a bad rap. Everyone says, "Oh, anxiety is terrible. You have to get rid of it." You need anxiety. It's a very important emotion. You're not human without it. You're a pretty dangerous person without it. You'll run across the street and not look twice. You'll tell your boss to shut up. Like you need anxiety to keep you functioning well. We just don't want anxiety to be taking over completely. And so even that beautiful little exercise where you're just bringing yourself back into the center reminds the body, oh, I'm not in danger. This isn't life-threatening. It's really difficult though. It's one of the hardest things. And Sarah, you can speak to this too. When somebody is really in a panic when they're really the fight or flight mechanism in the brain has lit up and you're in fight or flight, it is very difficult to access strategies. But the one that most people can um, access is breathing, Mm -hmm. dropping your tongue on the bottom of your teeth and just breathing. That can actually start to, to bring the body back so that you're coming out of fight or flight and you can start to realize that you can respond to your environment instead of react to your environment, but it's hard because so many people just live in that heightened state all the time. They don't even realize they're in it. Yeah. And Jennifer, you probably find this too, that, you know, it doesn't help if people are, are trying to be mental 
um, and visualize something or imagine something or follow some steps while they're hijacked, the yep. best thing to do, at least I've found for myself when I've been hijacked and in working you know, with people who are experiencing heightened states is, is bring your attention to the soles of your feet. Feel yep. Yep. feel the earth against or the or the you know the mm -hmm. soles of your shoes against the soles of your feet um bring your hands together rub them together yes. put Round them on your belly head. and your like really somatic like getting yes. you in the body you know yeah because counting so your breath or visualizing white light uh, uh none of that shit's gonna work they can't access it the part that's of the brain right. that understands those strategies is is literally offline that's right it's offline yeah. so when i work with little kids i'll tell them just feel the fabric of your shirt mm-hmm Feel your t-shirt, feel your sweatshirt, rub yeah. the fabric. Yeah. Just to kind of bring yeah. you back. Yeah. And name things. We can start to name things or like, mm -hmm. you know, look around the room, name everything that's blue, you know, mm -hmm. or like, you know, touch a, a piece of fabric on your body, name it. Okay. Shirt. Great. But yeah, that body orientation. Yes. If you're, if you're looking around the room and you're naming everything that's blue and you have corned beef and you name, and that's blue. <laughs> And your corned beef you is want. blue. Where have you been getting it? I'm writing a kid's book about corned beef. No, I'm oh. kidding. Um, wouldn't that be my corned beef is blue? What a Green great eggs name. and ham, blue corned yeah. beef. That's right. It's the Jewish word. Dr. Sue's not a Jew. Blue vegan corned beef. Yeah, vegan corned beef. No, but I, I really, you know, another thing that, that uh, is often talked about is curiosity. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking, of course, about the. A digital channel for learning things because curiosity.com. No, curiosity uh, about thoughts and feelings. And I've had teachers tell me this for years. But really, if you're going to start to get curious about things, how do you go about it? Like, how do you how do you mm -hmm. start to question these things? And is it is it something that anybody can do? Yeah, I mean, curiosity is is key, right? And it's like the two C's that kind of go hand in hand, compassion and curiosity. So it's, it's really hard to be curious about someone or something that you're not compassionate about. You know, somebody can bring to mind, you know, have people sometimes just bring to mind somebody that you really, really like. And um, you see them like making a sandwich or, you know, doing some gardening in their garden and, and get curious about what they're doing. If you're imagining somebody that you really, really like and that you care about, that you naturally have compassion for, it's easier to get curious about what somebody is doing. And then it's like, okay, now do that with yourself. You know, I think it's hard to be curious about our thoughts, our feelings and sensations if we're not compassionate towards ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, and because, because we'll also start feeling a lot of shame and the antidote for shame is compassion. And, you know, people go through like these kind of um, shame waves when they start to meditate, like, uh, uh, oh, my God, I had no idea that I thought all these thoughts, or I had no idea that I had all these feelings, or I had no idea that, you know, God, it was, I'm so restless, I'm such a bad meditator, or whatever. And it's like, okay, well, what if you had compassion for it, and you were curious about it, rather than just being ashamed, right? Because then we close off. Mm -hmm. Can you teach that to a family? Like when you work with with more than one person, you're you got a family in a in a group together. How do you teach them these kinds of things, these kinds of skills? Do you do it through the kids? Do you do it through the parents? How do you do that? Well, it's interesting. I've certainly done it with families before. I often I, I tend to work with the parents separately from the child, and then I work with the child on their own. But I've had sessions where 
the child and I have been working on it and then we've invited the parents in and then the child gets to teach the parents how to do it. And it's quite mm -hmm. lovely. They love to show their parents how to do it. Um, and I do a lot of this type of, of work with kids. I, I just think it's so important and I don't know why it's not, uh, it's starting to be taught in schools, but I'm really trying to help parents to teach children this as well is that you're the thinker of your thoughts. Mm -hmm. and, and that's, it's so important to understand how your brain works and that you can talk back to your thoughts and what the different feelings are in your body and that feelings are meant to be felt, right? So one of the exercises, I'll often record, little, I'll do meditations with the child and then I'll record them and then I'll send it to them later and they'll listen to a little one that I do about dolphins in a cove and it's quite lovely and it takes them through all these different relaxation exercises. But just teaching them that they, can, they actually have the ability to direct their mind is such an important thing to know and that feelings are meant to be felt. So parents have a really hard time when children are sad or they're angry or they're scared. Parents, and of course it's painful for us as parents when we see our child going through this, but there's a lot of trying to fix it for kids. And so what we do in the sessions and what I help the parents do is just hold their child's hand and, and help them ride through that wave. So you're feeling really sad right now. Let's be there together while we do this. Let's hold hands and let's just feel that sadness. And let's send some love to our sadness because sadness is always is also information that's trying to alert us. And I often with kids will draw kind of what their different emotions are. And then they imagine it. I don't know, sadness is a little blue monster or something. And they're hugging the the little blue monster and they're kissing it on the head and they're thanking it for everything. And it's just sort of helping children understand that emotions are really just their information and they help us, they help to guide us and, and whether we're sort of in line with our best self and our integrity and we're lined up with love or we're over there in fear somewhere. And then it's okay to be over there, but you know, you gotta learn that way to get yourself back into alignment. And it's a skill. It really is. Oh. Many, that's beautiful. And many- I'm so touched by the work that you do, Jennifer. It's just, oh, oh my gosh, so valuable. So yeah. these are lucky kids that you're working oh, with. <laughs> I love it too. I love yeah. working with them. It's a lot. And there's, kids are so amazing. I know. They, mm -hmm. they get this stuff. They, they really do. do. They're they not do. so jaded and angry. Uh -huh. And it, it's, it's hard for adults too. They do. They have these shame waves that's really difficult to get through. And even just being silly. So many people don't even remember how to be silly. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I, you do. <laughs> you I, do I remember it. I remember it. I don't, I don't quite do it enough. So I do have a can of silly string. I just sprayed it in my own face. I don't appreciate that so much. I think that everything that you're saying, you know, every time I hear you talking about these things, I keep thinking that adults need this so sure. much and i want there to be a place where adults can do these kinds of things and get this kind of sensation because that's who's driving us around is a kid who's not being paid attention to uh, yeah. quite often absolutely you know just whatever you have to do you know even if it's putting your own hand on your on your solar plexus for two seconds you know it just gets you back and in touch. Uh, I'm going to start crying. I want you <laughs> to start crying. You. We're here for no, you. <laughs> no, I, but, but I really do. It's like this kind of stuff. That's why when we watched Mr. Rogers and things like that, Aww. you know, we thought that he was, you know, it was too much. It was like, oh, this is too much. Actually, mm -hmm. it's actually the right amount. We're yeah. too much. He's yeah. right. Yep. 
I remember the actress Liv Ullman years ago, and this is the only show where you can hear references like Mr. Rogers and Liv Ullman in the same <laughs> sentence. But years ago, I remember she came out with a movie and the critique of the movie is it was too slow. And her response was, it's not too slow. You're too fast. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's, yep. So take that, everybody, from Liv Ullman and, so then and, stick, it, stick, and stick it in your tuchus. <laughs> Listen, this is great. I want you to come back. Sure. Sounds oh, fun. I want you to come back. Uh, and I want you all to come back. Thanks to Sarah Taylor. Sarah, tell them where they can get into how they find you if they want to work with you or if they yeah. want to connect. Well, if you're interested in my comedy and all the shows I do and all that good stuff, you can go to sarahtaylor.org. Uh, org. O-R-G. I'm an org. Um, and if you want to learn about the spiritual work that I do, um, I, I mentor people who are on the path of awakening and people who've had mystical experiences and want to understand them and don't know who to talk to about. I'm your girl. So that's lightofyourbeing.org. Lightofyourbeing.org. I like it. For all of you who want to find out more skills, more things, more things that you can do every day to take care of yourself and your family, you go to ConnectedParenting.com. That's Jennifer's organization, which is amazing. All kinds of media about how to do these things, how to move through life easier, and how to, how to take care of thoughts, feelings, and each other. So ConnectedParenting.com. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. I'm Ed Krasnick. For Jennifer Kalari, for Sarah Taylor, we will see you next time. And don't get bit by a scorpion. Everybody take care. Live it up. Look for the good. See you next time.